So listen to this shit. So one day I'm just sitting there on Twitter tweeting about some bullshit and uh, all of a sudden I get followed by a group that just says all the Bryants. So I go in and look at it and it's an actual like web page dedicated to anyone named Brian with an I. And they have they have this like survey you can take about being a Brian. Like, I wish I was kidding. It's an actual thing. Like, you take a survey about being a Brian, things like people misspelling your name, people thinking it's spelled with a Y and all this crap. And it's like, and then after you do that, they grant you access to a webpage for people named Brian. And they have a podcast where they interview random people who took their surveys about being a Brian. I, w- I, I, I shit you not, it is a real thing. That's such a Brian Incredible. Move. Yeah, I was, I was so happy with it. short podcast this is brian beversluge joined by john DeLong and bradley smith how are you guys doing tonight okay. i'm wondering if we should start bringing back like the interruptions for your intros i almost did it yeah i, I was fully expecting it. it i was fully expecting it because you're honest. already so you're already so irritated right now yeah because we just like to go off on tangents about soccer when we're about to get onto a podcast for you know, Sorry for we being have, friends with the people we talk to, Brian. Well, we we happen to have a guest on here, and his time is important. This is Hot a take bl- alert. Soccer's more entertaining than the NFL. Oh. Can't say that on the show. Well, we have a guest on tonight, guys. This is Brian from the Pack to the Future podcast. Um, I've been on their show a couple times since then, and he's a fellow Brian, so I figured why not have him on the show since the other two guys I'm working with here are assholes. So. Brian, how are you guys doing tonight? How are you doing tonight? Jesus Christ. I'm, <laughs> I'm so doing good. Right now. Um, if um, it makes you guys feel any better, if I wasn't on the show, I'd probably be talking to somebody about soccer anyway. So, Oh, uh, thank you, Brian. Yeah. Better Brian. Better Brian. Yeah. Better Brian. I have a question. First question. Uh, who's na- who named your, your podcast, Pack to the Future? Um, I, I have to technically take credit, um, but, but when we were down for a meeting in our first podcast thinking all right what are we going to name this and one of the guys just said what about something back to the future related i was like are you seriously just going to lay it up for me like that because how about <laughs> back to the future and there it was but that like it sounds like a quick discussion yeah well i have to say for the record i'm a huge fan of the name i love it <laughs> thank you that is a solid name and to to go back to the past real quick um just a little self-plug for my brand here. Apparently, I was their first guest on their you show. Are. Wow. So Much I'm important. sure that'll be a trivia question on Jeopardy in the next 10 years. Someday, someday. I was actually at Buffalo Wild Wings the other night, and they asked that question. I had no idea who the answer was, but I'll know next oh, time. Wow. Well, now you do. Yeah. <laughs> yep. First real question. Brand, I have a first real ahead. question for, for Brian. Um, the last time the Panthers played a quarterback who was playing his first game back after having a broken collarbone, um, he never played a meaningful snap again. Does that concern you? <laughs> Not at all. Okay. Not at all. 
This is Aaron Rodgers. He'll be he'll be making meaningful snaps for a long, long time. Yeah, he well, definitely that's is. What Tony team. Romo thought. Oh. Aaron Rodgers is not Tony Romo. Very true. Very um, true. Yeah, I'll give Aaron you that. Doesn't have. He's not um, ready for the booth. He doesn't have bones of glass. He does have calves of like paper tissue, but bones are solid. True. It seems like. To be fair, it had been stepped on by Indominus Sue. Oh yeah, that's true. That's no it joke. just permanently, <laughs> permanently susceptible to to straining now. Exactly. <laughs> is it? Does, does he, it seems like he has a calf injury at some point, like every season. Seems that way. It does. It's frustrating, but uh, sometimes it keeps him in the pocket when he would otherwise needlessly try to escape it. So it has mixed results. Oh, we yeah. don't know anything about that as Panthers fans. So. <laughs> is is. So does he frustrate you at all with how much he runs around? Because like guys like Russell Wilson is kind of here and there with like if he gets praised for it or if he gets criticized for it. And other guys like especially college uh, quarterbacks coming out get like major demerits if they run around too much. Do you ever get frustrated with how much he runs around? Does he ever like run when he shouldn't? And you guys are like, just just stay still, just throw it. You know, it's it gets a little frustrating both ways. Like there are times where he's escaping the pocket because nobody was open. He looked past his first read and, you know, from there things only got worse. So he kind of has to escape the pocket just to wait for somebody to get open. And sometimes just like, dude, just take that first read. But then you can tell when he's really thinking about it because he'll stay in the pocket. And like, he has full ability to be a pocket passer if it's coming natural to him. But when he's sitting there thinking about it and saying, okay, stay in the pocket, make your reads. He gets sacked every time. And if you ever see a game where Rodgers is sacked six or seven times, that is probably a, a contributing factor. He just he gets like those lead feet and he just won't. He just like can't move. I can't move. I'm going right. to go through my reads in the right way today. Exactly. Yeah. Just it, it gets frustrating, but, you know, it's when he's allowed to just play his game, he'll sit in the pocket when he feels like it's necessary and he knows when to escape, when not to. So overall, no, it's not like a point of frustration, but there are frustrating plays that come out of it. You know, it's crazy. I think that's the first like negative thing I've heard about Aaron Rodgers, other than he sucks now because his stats aren't any good. Like <laughs> fight from like anybody. Yeah, everybody's got their weaknesses. Um, yeah, his is taking too many sacks. I would say is is what it boils down to. That's good for us. It is, um, but on the other hand, he does that instead of making stupid throws. So mm-hmm. you can't expect a bunch of turnovers because of it. So John, quit hogging the guest for a minute. Um, well, I, I was going to so, let you take a question, but there was like a like a half second pause, and I don't like the pauses, so I just, I just <laughs> ran with it. Well, keep your anxiety in check for a minute. I got this. Um, for better listening, Brian. It's not anxiety. <laughs> um, so Brian. Um, Ron Rivera mentioned earlier this week in a conference call that he thinks that Aaron Rodgers has probably been throwing for the last four or five, six weeks or something like that. Um, how true do you think that is in regards to this injury? Um, you could probably go pretty close to that far back to when he started you know, playing toss with somebody five yards away from him, and it kind of developed from there. You know, They were showing – Pre-game from that Steelers game, he was launching them 30, 40, 50 yards downfield with no effort. So, yeah, you'd have to think that his timeline is probably pretty accurate. Um, but, like, real throwing has probably been about three weeks. 
it seems different from the Cam Newton injury because Cam was doing essentially that in practice, but he seemed to need every every so every like day or two of throwing, he'd need a day off, and then he would come out looking rusty. So it doesn't That's sound the like the same situation with Rodgers, though. The difference between a broken bone and a joint injury. Right. Yeah. True. Yeah, once this was healed, it was healed. You know, it, they're just now at a point where they feel like it could take the pressure of a hit. But, you know, he, as far as throwing, it could very well five or six weeks ago that it was healed enough for him to move his arm with full mobility. All right, that's that's promising for, for the Panthers' defense. Um, yeah, for me I'm, at least. <laughs> the thing about that collarbone is because, like, I, I actually root for the backers too. Um, I told you before the show that my mom's from Milwaukee, so I kind of inherited that mm-hmm. fandom. Scout. I don't want you guys to win this weekend, but uh, I still <laughs> am gonna like cringe every time he gets sacked because like don't get hurt because they 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 need you. Don't go away. You know, it's not just the Packers; it's the NFL, man. Deshaun yeah, Watson is true. out. Like all these great quarterbacks are out this year, and it's there's too many. The league needs yeah. Aaron Rodgers because if he goes they, down they, again they do. this week and misses the rest of the year. I don't know if anybody's going to watch any of the last two Packer games. You know, we're going to have like they're on holidays and just who would watch? Yeah, we're going to have, I mean, we could have like Case Keenum and Nick Foles, like backup Rams quarterback rematch for the NFC championship game. Or Jared Goff, like a whole thought. We have like a whole Jeff Fisher special, like in the NFC championship game. <laughs> oh my God. That's terrifying. Um, so, Brad, do you have any questions about Aaron Rodgers specifically? Um, well, the only question I want to know about Aaron Rodgers is why did he break up with Olivia Munn? I knew it. <laughs> I knew this was coming. Oh, man. Brad's the, Brad oh, is the, uh, the e-entertainment uh, side of this podcast. <laughs> you know, uh, maybe he just wanted to live the simple life for a while. You know, date a girl who's not in the public spotlight. I, I really couldn't tell you. <laughs> I don't know. He's he could date anybody he wants. Maybe he's just ready for the next chapter. Yeah. Or maybe she was jealous of all the Clay Matthews commercials he was making. I don't know. Maybe she's the reason that he uh, abandoned his family. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> that was the rumor, but it was also the rumor, depending on who you ask, of why he struggled playing quarterback in Green Bay for a year and a half. And... I don't know. I would believe the family thing over that being the reason for his struggles the last couple yeah. of years. That has that that takes me to one of my questions I had about the offense in general. Well, so wait, before, I've... before you get into that, because I was gonna say we're I was gonna get into the offense and defense specifically. Um, I just wanted to ask one thing before we get into that, Brian. How realistic is it for the Packers to win out and make the playoffs? You think on the table, Brian? <laughs> It's pretty damn realistic. Like I could just as well see us going one and two, but with Aaron Rodgers, we caused some serious matchup problems. You know, especially I would say against the Panthers and the Lions. You know, the Vikings built around a defense and having just a total smash mouth eleven back there. That's still an issue. That but that goes from guaranteed loss with Brett Hundley to being at Lambeau that could very well be a win. So I, I really would not be shocked at all. And well, if we do win s- these last three, those are good, we're in the playoffs. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. 
This is uh, inside information for the Packers. So Tear. in order to beat the Vikings, you just need to run with your least productive running back of the entire season, and you'll win. We can do yep. that. We can do you'll that. Win. We have a we have a seventh round rookie, I think, Devontae Mays, who has three carries and two fumbles. Bell cow wow. him that week. So that bell cow him. Oh, can we can we Dumb. now transition to the running backs? Because I wanted to ask about that. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, perfect segue. Why, there we go. Why does um. Jamal Williams get all the carries instead of Aaron Jones. Um, part of it is the injury that Aaron Jones is still getting over. Um, okay, so he's still nagging pain. Uh, he's it's. I'm not even sure it's still nagging, but I think it's more of a playing the hot hand and letting Jones heal as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, I got into a conversation about it um, with the Buccaneers game where they're saying, "Why didn't we use Jones earlier? Look what he did on that overtime run. He won the game. Whatever." And I'm just thinking Williams was crushing it all day. Like this guy's coming back on a questionable tag. Just let him rest as much as we can. Um, what what really gets me though is is Jones got a little tiny sliver of an opportunity against the Browns. And by that I mean he was put in for one drive. It's it's a thing about Mike McCarthy that drives me absolutely crazy, is that he won't go from back to back to back to back during one drive. He won't mix things up and and make the defense guess at all it's okay this is jamal williams drive this is aaron jones's drive and as soon as one of them show signs that they're struggling they're benched for the rest of the game it, it's absolutely maddening but that's it, because he does it. especially because like because i was looking through it because i write defensive previews and i'm like looking through all your guys stats and like aaron jones has busted several big runs like across many different games and Jamal Williams right. has been kind of – he's been more explosive as a receiver, but he seems like he's been kind of – very he's been mediocre. Like he has one game where he's averaged more than three and a half yards a carry, but he's much – he seems like he's much better as a receiver. So to me, just like looking at the, the stats, it's like, well, why don't you put him on the field like 50-50 where Jones is like your more explosive runner and Williams is your better pass catcher. And exactly. Just kinda, and we've, we've seen that from the Panthers for – what feels like decades is there's always two running backs on that team and there are always two different styles of running backs and they're always keeping defenses guessing because they'll come off the field in the middle of a drive and the other one will come on. And these two, like Jamal Williams is the more complete player. He's stronger and bigger, easier short yardage guy. And Aaron Jones is your explosion. And if you have both of those elements on the same drive, Seems like that would do a whole lot more for the offense than okay, this is Aaron Jones's drive. It's yeah. Just the defense knows once they see one running back on the field, okay, that's him for the whole rest of this drive. We know what to mentally prepare for. That makes sense because it's like I'm looking, like I said, I'm just looking at him right now again, and like Aaron Jones got like double digit carries, and Williams got uh, two total, and then Williams took over, and Jones. Got has gotten no more than uh, five since he came back. Right. That's that's yeah. Annoying. I would I would think that this is the game to bring him more into it. You know, the especially because had a really good run defense, and I don't think they wanted to risk Jones for it. Yeah, he, they, he has been. They have been good, but especially because the Panthers have had a little bit of issues with giving up big runs. We didn't last week against mm-hmm. the Vikings, but we had like a few weeks in a row where we gave up like a just a big hole for back to run through for a big gain. So I feel like it would be, you know, if there's a, if you're go- going to have success on the ground against the Panthers, it's more likely going to be from the big play guy that can get free for a 40, 50, 60-yard run. 
as opposed to the guy that right. is going to get three yards in a cloud of dust. Right. Um, and, and what, what I have hope in is that the Packers, Mike McCarthy, especially he likes to use the pass to set up the run. And that hasn't been an option under Brett Hundley because he can't hit anything over the top. We have a quarterback that can hit stuff over the top now. So once you get those safeties to stop cheating up and helping against the run, that's when we can start to break bigger ones. I looked at Brett Hundley's passing charts and they're, they're so funny. It's like a horizontal line across the line of scrimmage, basically. <laughs> it is. Like, like and, are. You know, it works. It actually kind of drives me nuts. We have these great drives of him doing just that short passes nonstop for the opening drive. We'll score a touchdown and then like, okay, well let's open it up and go deep. And then our offense is stagnant for three quarters and then fourth quarter is like, Oh shit, time to make a comeback. And finally they do. Before I let somebody else take a question. I'm like, I'm just like looking through now against Tampa Bay. He completed almost every single pass he threw within like six yards of line of scrimmage and completed none of the passes he threw more than six yards down the field. Yeah, which is why when people look at the raw numbers of, okay, he's got 230 yards passing on 67 completion percentage, man, what a great job he's doing <laughs> replacing Aaron Rodgers. And we're like, whoa. Yeah, I've heard that. Like, Hunley's actually making, Hunley's making a case to, to get some, uh, some looks elsewhere. I'm like, is he? Is he really? No, he's not. <laughs> He just doesn't. He put up 84 passing yards against the worst pass defense in the league against the Bucks. So no. I would say that's not good. not good. Brian, Brad, do you guys have any questions before? Because I keep hogging the show, apparently. Well, I did have a question about Brett Hundley since we're talking about him. Uh, why is he your backup quarterback when you have Aaron Rodgers, who is seemingly fragile at this point? Um, it seems like you guys would have a better backup solution <laughs> damn draft and develop. like joe callahan draft oh. and develop for better or worse um yeah he he to be fair he's also shown things in preseason games to make us think that he would be a pretty good starter when the time came and he must have shown something because I, I saw some scout say that last year if they were willing to trade him they could have gotten a fourth round pick for him now that he's played in a regular season setting nothing so he had some people fooled he had some of our fans fooled i think he had some of our coaches fooled like he's he's a backup i think he's a backup if your coach is willing to game plan correctly for it and i think that's something that mccarthy struggled with in those first few weeks is finding a way to get any level of success out of him. He was never able to find any success at Lambeau for whatever reason. Like if you're looking up Hundley stats, look up his home versus away splits and they will blow your mind. Um, But yeah, he's, he's going to be our backup next year again. If that signifies how tied to draft and develop this team is. My mind is blown. In, in, in at home, he's less than 60%. 5.37 yards per attempt, zero touchdowns, five interceptions. Yep. And then on wow. the road, 68% completion, a yard and a half more per attempt, eight touchdowns, three interceptions. It's unreal. Can't figure it out. Really can't. It's not like especially, they've been terrible weather games at Lambeau. They haven't been particularly cold. Like, Especially because you guys have like the best home field advantage in the NFL, or one of the best home field advantages in the NFL in terms of like crowd support and 
and stuff. And they they take great of that turf. You don't see players slipping on it all throughout the year. It's nothing about that. There hasn't been rain or high winds or anything. Just can't do it at Lambeau. Handle the bright lights of Lambeau Field. I'm almost thinking we should start him against the Panthers. I, I agree with that. I believe you should. Yes. <laughs> let's let's almost, uh, call almost get, Mark, that. get Mike McCarthy on the phone. <laughs> get him on here right now. So I do have a question because now, obviously, we talked a lot, a lot about Brett Hundley, but Aaron Rodgers is back meeting the Packers passing game despite whatever stats Hundley behind the helm are kind of null and void. So they have Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb, Devontae Adams, and Brian, you specifically mentioned Devontae Adams to me when we were talking earlier this week. Um, who's going to be the guy to watch in that receiving core? Because Carolina's secondary has played pretty well, but I don't know if they've faced a tandem quite like the three that they have there. It's hit and miss is what we are. Right. <laughs> well, that's actually a pretty good way to describe some of our receivers as well. Um it would be a huge mistake to sleep on Jordy Nelson, even though he had like a total of 150 yards and one touchdown or something like that while Hundley was quarterback. Was he and Rogers have this freaky connection where Rogers just always knows where Nelson is going to be, when he's going to make his cuts and turns and everything. So I would be surprised if Nelson, who has essentially just taken a rest for the last two months wasn't a big part of this game plan and a big part of trying to take the top off of this defense. Having said that, Devontae Adams is the touchdown guy. So in terms of yardage, I would say watch out for Jordy Nelson to move this team up and down the field. And getting into the red zone, I'd watch out for Devontae Adams. Randall Cobb, I just never know. He he could go for 180 yards and two touchdowns this Sunday, and it wouldn't surprise me. Or he could have one catch for eight yards and nothing else, and it wouldn't surprise me. Just never know what part of the offense he's going to be. I was so that was what I was going to ask about is because like there's been a lot of this. What's wrong with Aaron Rodgers for what's been like two years now? Mm-hmm. And I've kind of always thought that it's not him. I mean, some of it's him, obviously, but I feel like. Like with Nelson getting older, Devontae Adams was pretty bad for a while. And then Randall Cobb mm-hmm. seems to have fallen off the face of the earth that he's just kind of in a situation like we've seen with Cam Newton, where he's like running for his life with nobody that, that gets open and he's just trying to make the best with what he has. Yeah, and it's it's that it's that Nelson has to be thrown open at this mm-hmm. point, unless there's like a busted coverage or something. You you hardly see him just run a route and just completely beat the guy i won't say hardly it happens but just not with nearly the same regularity that it used to um a lot of it is coaching though too and not that mccarthy is a bad coach i think he's a great coach not that he's calling the wrong plays i think part of the problem is that he's calling plays that everyone has seen a million times over the last 12 years so they can see, okay, when Randall Cobb is lined up here and he moves two feet to his right before the snap, we know what route he's going to run because we've seen this play a million times. So I don't, I don't even necessarily think that these receivers don't have the ability to get open on their own. I don't necessarily think that the wrong plays are being called, but it's just kind of this whole combination of things that can just go really wrong for short periods of time. 
I do remember watching a Packers game like three years ago, and I'll remember who was the who was doing the broadcast. But they were like, "Yeah, the Packers have only have a few plays in their playbook. They just run them out of different formations, and made it sound like yeah, they have like six different route combinations they run." And it's like, oh, and they were just so good at those like that limited number of route combinations that they ran that it was fine. But there, it's been like four years. there is a time in our history where I might believe that back when we had Jermichael Finley and Greg Jennings, Donald Driver, James Jones, and Jordy Nelson as just the most ridiculous receiving core you could ever yeah, imagine. Exactly. You just throw out any combination of them, even all five of them at once, and nobody could stop them no matter what because there were just weren't enough cornerbacks and safeties in the world to stop that combination of players. But McCarthy's evolved. The offense has evolved. Just my, my thought is that in order for this offense to get back to the levels that they used to be at in those days, they don't need to get rid of McCarthy, but I think they need to find an outside voice offensive coach to come in and kind of add new wrinkles and new things that people haven't seen. And Hey, have you thought about using Randall Cobb this way and that way and things like that? That's what I think they're in need of. Yeah, a new offensive, like a new offensive coordinator that gets play calling responsibilities and right. And they tried it with Tom uh, Clements a couple years ago, and that had really bad results. Downstairs, the for it. Brian, um, are you talking? But, Sorry, hold on, Brian. Other Brian, are you talking? Sorry, Sorry. being kind of rude. <laughs> My bad. Seriously rude. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you're good. Um, and then we have Edgar Bennett now at, at offensive coordinator, and I was a big fan of him as a player. I don't understand his coaching career track he was the running backs coach which made sense because he was a running back and then he got moved over to wide receivers and that didn't make sense the wide receiver play suffered a little bit and then boom he's offensive coordinator you're like well how did this happen like none of this makes any sense let's get somebody who knows what they're doing in there that is interesting because I, I just pulled him up uh like what is what kind of i don't know move results in your running back coach just completely abandoning the running backs and becoming the wide receivers coach. I honest, I don't know. I don't know why it <laughs> happened. I think like I, if I remember correctly, our wide receivers coach then became the quarterbacks coach and our quarterbacks <laughs> coach was moved up to offensive coordinator. And it was how just are you guys winning reshuffle. games? <laughs> That's a good question. I'm sorry. Ahead, it's just some of the struggles we've had over the years, I think, are more related to the thing. It's very well documented how Dom Capers has overstayed his welcome, and he's blown a lot of big playoff games and stuff. But offensively, too, you would have to think that if we had more applicable coaching talent all throughout that offense, that things would be going a little better. And we thought the Panthers were bad about uh, keeping yeah. things in-house. Seriously. <laughs> It's oh like God, if we, yeah. it's like if Mike Shula gets a head coaching job at like Ole Miss or something. It's like, all right, well, Ken Dorsey's the offensive coordinator. Uh, Lance Taylor, I guess you're going to do running backs and wide receivers now. Uh, yeah, Steve Wilkes, we'll, you're going to we'll coach in, offensive like, line while you're doing defensive coordinating. Yeah, Jake DeLong. We had that. We had somebody do coach or something like that. Get somebody do what, Brian? We had somebody doing wide receivers and tight ends at the same time in one year. Oh, and our tight like, end totally position was position. awful that year. <laughs> I wonder why. Like, wow, we're out there. I was like, "Well, coach, we haven't blocked a single like a single snap in practice. I don't know how to do it." <laughs> yeah, frustrating. 
We had a good segue there. Uh, did you have any other offensive questions, guys? Because he, he he said something about Dom Capers, which we can go into defense. Yeah, no, we can do that. Yeah, let's go. Go right Smooth on. Segue. Um, why is your defense not good? Dom uh, Capers. <laughs> there it is. Um, I think he has a lot to do with it. We hear we hear in Green Bay nonstop how great our assistant defensive coaches are all the positional coaches, but we see these units underperform every single year. I just don't think that Dom Capers knows how to stop a modern NFL offense. Um, oh, well, they don't have to worry about his, that this week. Well, that's good. Um, yeah, we don't have a modern offense. Could, that's good. <laughs> his big thing has been that he could always, even at his worst, confuse a young quarterback. And we go into Cleveland where they have a rookie who's thrown 18 interceptions play. And he made a couple dumb throws, but he otherwise lit us up. So even those little things that guys who don't like Dom Capers would concede, like, okay, well, at least he can do this. He's losing those now. He, he's done a lot of putting players in positions that they don't belong in, playing guys who were playing Defensive tackle in a 4-3 in college are now playing outside linebacker in a 3-4 in the pros. And it's like, well, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. You have a college defensive end turned outside linebacker turned inside linebacker. And you're like, oh, I wonder why he never caught on on this defense. And, you know, you could look at guys like Micah Hyde, who never really had a true role in this defense, is off tearing it up in Buffalo right now. And Casey Hayward is tearing it up in um, in uh, what L.A. now. Yeah. He was good for the Packers, but he's been fantastic since leaving. Julius Peppers already has more sacks this year than he had all of last year with the Packers. And guys are like, well, why didn't Ted Thompson bring him back? It's like, If you really think that Julius Peppers would have 10-plus sacks right now playing for the Packers, then I got a bridge to sell you, man. It's He doesn't get even close to the best out of his players. And I hear people blaming Ted Thompson and the front office for not putting talent out there. There's a ton of talent on this defense and they've shown it. There are six or seven or eight guys that you look at individually on that defense and you say, wow, they're having great years. How good must this defense be? Or rank 26th. So yeah, that to me says coaching. Yeah. It's like that guy, he has so much talent, except he's got linebacker talent, but he's playing free safety. Exactly. Exactly. That, that's exactly it. And it's frustrating. I appreciate this chance to rant about it. I didn't really get that chance on my show this week. But well, you can't that, you can't rant about it every week because you, you, all the people that listen to your show already know it. You know, so you gotta exactly. gotta go to new avenues to hear about it. Yeah, we feel your pain yeah. though. Yeah, it just feels nice to hear another team have the same kind of complaints that we do. It was like when we were talking to the <laughs> Bears and they were talking about John Fox, and it was just like, oh man, those were the days. Because nothing's changed. But, like, we, we see yeah. that with, like, Shaq Thompson. Shaq Thompson has the potential to be an incredible linebacker, but we don't want to take Thomas Davis or Luke Keekley off the field in, like, you know, three wide rec- against three wide receiver sets. So we make Shaq Thompson play this, like, safety nickel cornerback linebacker hybrid role against wide receivers, and he gets, like, shaken out of his jockstrap every single time. He's like he's yeah. like in a full sprint the wrong direction from where the person he's supposed to be covering is. Yeah, and that's that's Dom Capers too. He he had one hybrid player work for a short amount of time, 
And it's just been his obsession ever since. <laughs> it's Morgan Burnett is playing linebacker and safety. Josh Jones is playing safety and cornerback. You had Micah Hyde playing safety and cornerback. You had Detone Jones playing outside linebacker and defensive end. And they created that position for him, even though he wasn't good at either one of them. So it's just nothing but these hybrid positions that he makes up. And he gives them interesting names like Elephant and NASCAR and all this great stuff. And you're just like, oh, yeah, it worked for two plays. Well, then it just turns into their defense for six months, and you're just like, well, dude, like, it was a wrinkle, like, nothing more. Like the Tom Jones thing where it's like, well, he's like a, a a 40 as a defensive end and like a 38 as a linebacker. So if we make him a defensive end and a linebacker, he's like a 78. That's a passable player. Hey, that's football exactly. math, man. <laughs> that's exactly it. That's it, It's the same kind of things we see, like we've talked about. It's a lot better under Wilkes. Um, in terms of like the uh, positional, other than with with Shaq, it just seems like with with Wilkes, we play to our strengths a lot better. We're more like going after the quarterbacks and being aggressive, mm-hmm. which is what we should be doing with guys that can get to the quarterback and stuff like that. Is your is it besides like the player usage? What about like the play, the situational play calling in terms of like blitzing and dropping into coverage and man versus zone and stuff like it's- that? It's not good. Um, it's it's a lot better if he has the luxury of playing in man, but as soon as one thing goes wrong, he just reverts to a zone, and our zone gets shredded every time. Every single time we run a zone coverage, there's at least one receiver just wide open, no one within five yards of him, and that's how we got torched by Deshaun Kaiser. And then I look at like really situational plays. One of our biggest problems is getting off the field on third down. We're among the worst in the league at it. So I'm thinking, well, why is this? So I watch a few first downs or third down, sorry. And we got like a third down and six with our safeties lined up 20 yards down the field. Oh, like, well, there like, you go. Familiar. You're playing like cover four, like off man cover four defense. Exactly. And it's just, God, it's some of them. Okay. I'm, I'm not claiming to be any kind of mastermind here or somebody that could run an NFL defense, but some of this stuff is common sense, man. It's today's NFL. It's you protect the line and you make them beat you deep. We're going up against a rookie quarterback. Make him rattled and make him beat you deep. No, then we're going to protect deep and let them get that first down uncontested. We, so we like to do time. that. We like to do that in the fourth quarter when we're nursing a 14 point lead. Yes. Yeah, been there too. But and then on our offense, I, I like to hear that because we're uh, we're of the of the mindset where you want to get yourself in third down, where it's like, all right, we're going to run, and if we get too many yards in that run, we'll run again so that we have a third down. And then we're just going to have all our receivers run to the sticks. And it, it it's like we our goal as an offense seems to be at times to gain exactly 10 yards every three plays. <laughs> and I don't understand why at any point nobody's ever been like, hey, why don't we just do this? Uh, we're just going to line everybody up, like even with the first down marker, and we'll be good. Well, we need to put anybody over the top. Having said that, if you do that all day long against the Packers defense, you will probably convert every single one of your third downs. <laughs> because well, all of them can run to the sticks. Exactly. That was a plot all, twist right there. I was expecting to be like Mike 30 yards pipe dream Sunday, here we go. <laughs> that, that's what, what Mike Shula about this. wants to do. He wants, he wants to get a nine-and-a-half-minute drive that ends in a field goal or a touchdown. And he wants to do that three times and not give you the ball. And he wants to win the game, you know, 17 to three or whatever. 
if we've Dusty got a Field, that is the perfect way to game plan against the, the Green Bay Packers right now. Just the nickel and dime you guys down the field? Yeah, that's exactly how I would play it. It's funny because try, we talk try about something deep every now and then, but otherwise, yeah. It's funny we talked about on this show. Um, we talked about how outdated things are, like our offense. Um, we seem to have this like 1970s idea that like if you hold the ball a long time, you get more chances to score than the other team. Like like if our time of possession is more, it means we got to have more chances to score. It's like no, you had the same number of possessions. You just like used more of the play <laughs> clock. It didn't help you at all. Right. So that's the it's the same. This sounds like it's going to be a painful game in terms of strategy. It very well could be. Especially with, well, when the Panthers have the ball, I feel like we're going to see, like, antiquated offense versus antiquated defense. And then when the Packers have the ball, it's going to be a little more fun. It might feel for times in the game like two people with blindfolds on are playing chess. <laughs> like the Packers... The Packers are playing like a coverage scheme that makes absolutely no sense given the situation, but the Panthers' play call runs right into it so that the Packers exactly. just shut it down. Two blind so people Caper playing chess is the week. perfect example, a perfect analogy of how this game is going to go. <laughs> at least, at least when the Panthers feel that way. <laughs> so, since we want to talk about how this, uh, how the scoring is going to go, do we want to segue into what our predictions are for the score? Yeah. All right. Uh, Brad, you haven't talked super much, so go ahead and I'll start with you. Well, I believe that because of what we just said and because of the great analogy that Better Brian gave of (laughs) two blind people playing chess when Carolina has the ball and Green Bay doesn't, um, I believe this is going to be a 52 to 48 (laughs) Panthers win. I wouldn't Nobody's be surprised. Hundred points. It's going to be right. crazy. Cam's going to throw for three hundred and fifty yards. Aaron Rodgers is going to throw for three hundred yards. It's going to be a shootout. Nobody's going to see it coming. Panthers fifty-two, Packers forty-eight. It's going to be like that Saints and uh, Giants game from a couple years ago, where like Eli Manning and Drew Brees both threw like six touchdowns. Yeah, yeah. that's going to be it. <laughs> call it a classic duel of Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Cam Newton Hall of Famer? You think so? That's just what they're going to call it if he throws six touchdowns against the (laughs) Packers. Um, Can I, uh, real quick, before we wrap this up, Brian, what do you think about the Panthers as a Packers fan? Like, what do you think of Cam Newton and the offense, and what do you think of the defense, just from, like, your outside point of view, just real quick? Especially the Cam Newton part. Especially the Cam Newton part, because I feel like if you go outside of the fan base, outside of Panthers fan, or even within Panthers fans, you can say like, "Tell me about Cam Newton," and, and they could be like, "He's my least favorite person on earth." <laughs> and then, or you could be like, "He could be everybody's hero." It just—it's completely random. You know, up until honestly, maybe beginning of last season, I was a big fan of Newton, even after the the Super Bowl game where he didn't dive for that fumble and everyone was attacking him. I'm like, you know what? I'm not even worried about that. Like, I think he's awesome. His act has really worn thin over the last year and a half or so. Um, You know, things, things like calling out a female for knowing what routes are and just stuff like that. 
walking out of press conferences, his act is worn thin on, on me at least. Um, so I don't sit there and actively stew in hatred for Cam Newton, but I don't root for him the way that I used to. Got a little um, eye roll. He gave out clothes to the homeless last week. Well, see, that's good. Nobody knew about it. The media didn't show up because he didn't tell them he was doing it. He just did it. That's good. He's he, he's starting why... a program in the next couple of weeks for underprivileged kids on how to accomplish their dreams. That's awesome. I, I, I'm sure he does a lot of really good things like that, and that's Brian, why I don't sit there actively stealing. Hashtag be the narrative. The Cash say... Reader is taking over the Cam Newton narrative. Yeah, Brian, you kind that's of walked through a buzzsaw there. Um, I, I did. We are I'm fine here. with that. I didn't mean now, to make you walk into a buzzsaw. I'm sorry. We are actually, <laughs> I'm fine with it. as a website, fighting against this whole narrative that Cam Newton is a shit person. That said... There are things he's made mistakes with, and we've written at length about a lot of these things, and basically what it's boiled down to is people can either accept Cam Newton for who he is and the mistakes he's going to make, or and understand the, the good that he does that often goes unrecognized, or you can just hate him, and we just need to accept him for who he is. If you want to like him, if you don't want to like him, good for you. Basically, so, he's I, a good-hearted dude that's really bad in front of a microphone. Yeah, yeah, I have to I have to give credit here. I have to be fair to better Brian. Um we were very unhappy with the whole routes conversation with our um female beat reporter. Um we we thought it was pretty childish and stupid too. Um a so funny, I, I can understand I mean, you feeling it, the like, way you did when that happened. Exactly. And it's just every time every time in the last year and a half that I'm like, all right, you know what? He's He's shown up to his press conferences. He's dressed quite garishly, but whatever. That's what he wants to do. That's fine. Like, you know what? I'm not going to spend any energy on him. And then it's female talking about routes. I'm like, dude, you you had it. You had it going. What are you doing this to yourself? Stop. And Brian, I do have a funny story to share specifically in regards to that. Because so I was on vacation in North Carolina in Topsail Island. Um that I was supposed to go on to a podcast later that day with the Falcoholic, one of which one of the people on there is a good friend of mine who's a female reporter. So roughly two awesome. hours before I was supposed to go on the podcast, I hear this story. So, of course, I have to go on to the podcast very, very <laughs> illy prepared for the questions I'm about to receive from this female reporter friend of mine. Um, so we, we firmly believe that Cam put his foot in his mouth and we're not going to support that. I think in the end it all worked out because he apologized in a better way than just writing out an iPad note and posting it on Twitter. Um, He screwed up. He hasn't done anything like that since then. It wasn't something he's ever really done before, anything like that. I think it was just we all think that Cam was genuinely surprised by her knowledge, but he expressed it in probably the worst way possible. So, Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. And I assume you're talking about G. Gina Thomas of the Falcoholic, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I have her on my show every time we talk Falcons. She's awesome. Yep. But anyway, so we went from Brad, projection. Uh, John, you want to go with the projection now? Uh, Panthers, 27. Packers, 20. That... Is that it? All right. 
Um, uh, I, I, what else am I supposed to say? You didn't ask I didn't for anything know if else. You had a, I didn't know if you had anything else. Like Brad elaborated a little bit on his projection. Granted, his, well, his, his projection was 52 total. to 48. He has to elaborate on that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brian, uh, what do you, what do you think is going to happen on Sunday? You know, I'm tempted to go. There's a there's a great Packers guy out there named John Rahor who makes his prediction before every game, and it's always something like Packers 3072, <laughs> Panthers zero. That's always a lot of fun. Um, but I'll I'll be consistent, and I say try because I'm going. I'm not sure that I remember the score prediction I gave on my show correctly. I think what I said was 3330, where again it's that blind people playing chess where a lot of points are going to happen. And it's going to be annoying, but as far as ESPN is concerned, it's going to turn into a really interesting and competitive game. Who do you have winning that game? You say Packers? <laughs> the Packers. Okay. I do have the Packers. I thought so. okay. It's going to be 33-30. One of them's going to win. Don't know which one. <laughs> That's the score. And you know what? If if it was Brett Humley starting, I would have it like 48-30 Packers, but... You guys get off a little bit easier. Fair enough, fair enough. So, Aaron Rodgers' rust factor. I will once again play the pessimist of our trio, and I expect a fourth quarter crazy comeback by Aaron Rodgers after the Panthers come out and do pretty well for three quarters. I expect a 28-21 to defeat of the Carolina Panthers, specifically in the fourth quarter because they love blowing leads in the fourth quarter. Do you, do you know what the worst part about your prediction is? What? Us scoring 21 points uh, most likely means we did not stall out and kick a field goal, which I don't believe will happen. Yeah, there's no <laughs> way we don't kick at least one field goal. You could kick two field goals and score a touchdown for a two-point conversion. It's not impossible, guys. We don't Let's go for two-point conversion. We don't go it's for two impossible. unless we absolutely have to. Maybe Unless maybe Graham Gano misses an extra point. You, you guys could just kick seven field goals. That's more likely than three touchdowns. That's, oh, that's, I would say seven field goals is more likely than three touchdowns without a field goal. I mean, that's what I had in mind with choosing you guys to pick to uh, hit 30 points was 10 field goals. <laughs> we won't have the ball it 10 times because we take too long on each possession. <laughs> Unless it goes into overtime. It could. It could. It could be... What would that have to be? It'll, it'll be twenty. It'll be twenty-four, twenty-four into overtime, and both teams, like the Packers, will kick three field goals, and the Panthers will kick two. <laughs> Even though that's not possible with overtime, <laughs> that's what'll happen. But it could be. It could be twenty-seven, twenty-seven, go into overtime. Packers get a field goal. Panthers get a field goal. Packers get a field goal. It's over. Yeah, it could. Yes. <laughs> So basically, we should watch out for Graham Gano and Mason Crosby to be heavily involved on Sunday. <laughs> I'm so excited for a game where every single drive in ends in a field goal. And I would actually the ball more wins, especially if it's 33-30 in overtime and every point scored was a field goal. <laughs> That'd be good fun. I'd, I'd that pay would to be see a lot that. of fun. I would be okay with losing that game because that would be fun. <laughs> Just because we get to witness oh history. My God. <laughs> all those people who who hated on Harrison Butker under Graham, or I should say Graham Gano over Harrison Butker can shove it after that game. <laughs> Graham Gano would have had the record for most field goals in the game with 11, but his counterpart kicked 12 in the same game. Yep. 
And the thing is, is all all eleven of Graham Gano's field goals are going to be within thirty five yards because they won't let him kick anything more than that. They don't trust him. <laughs> oh my god! I want to see this happen so badly. Please, Panthers Packers, make the memes happen. Let's go. Somebody needs to get on a game of Madden where you guys just let each other drive down the field and then stop and kick field goals all game long. I would watch somebody's entire webcast of Madden in that case. (laughs) (laughs) You get inside the 30-yard line and then you just kick a field goal on first down. Yeah. Don't want a chance to turn over. Just take the points when you can get them. Chess, man. That's how you play chess. You don't go for the throat every time. Especially when you can't see. Exactly. Well, do we have any uh, any closing remarks or lasting thoughts between the two, of, the three of us, I should say? I'm all good. From the Panthers sign, obviously. Okay. Brad, any last thoughts? Uh, no. So, Brian, um, do you have any questions for us? You know, I don't. I don't have anything prepared. I don't think. Um, I don't know. I guess I'd yeah. like. I guess I'd like an outside view of, I guess, the Packers in general with um, especially defense because we we do still have people that defend Dom Capers because we've made the playoffs eight straight years. But, like, do you – outsiders, do you watch these games or see highlights of them and just think, like, well, what the hell? Why can they not stop anybody? Or are you just like those Packer fans should stop complaining because they've been in the playoffs for eight years? Well, I when I watch when I watch the Packers, it's always with Joe Buck and Troy Aikman calling the game, and I'm surprised they don't go sixteen and zero every year based on <laughs> what Joe Buck says about about the Packers. Um, that is so funny that you say that. Packer fans, at least a large section of them, hate Joe Buck. That is so weird because the feeling is not mutual. He loves the Packers. Do they think? I I think they said like three negative things one year, and everyone just went nuts. And yeah, they've hated him ever since. So I listened to a Joe Buck interview on, um, pardon my take, and they asked him about that, and he says, and he basically says like every fan of every team thinks I hate their team. And they told him, like, you should just embrace it. And he's like, I'm going to start going out there and just, like, actively root, like, for a team in a game. And all that was so <laughs> funny. He's like, and here come, and like we're going to need a big throw for my boy Cam here if we're going to beat the Saints. <laughs> <laughs> I would love it if you did that. I'd find it funny. I really would. But, yeah. Well, Brad, did you have an idea? Well, I my thing with the Packers defense is, like, going into the game, I have absolutely no concern with that side of the ball at all. Even as, like shakes our offenses it's just kind of like i feel like when i do see green bay there's always like guys running open down the field and they're just kind of like giving up like they're not getting blown out but they're just kind of giving up like a steady stream of points and it's just kind of like yeah they're there they'll slow you down a little bit nothing to worry about yeah, I'm not really worried about Green Bay's defense. What I'm worried about is Mike Shula running Jonathan Stewart straight into it nonstop. <laughs> he had a breakout game last week. It means that they, they should ride the hot hand, right? Yeah. That's yeah. I mean <laughs> no, I, I'm not worried about them stopping us. I'm worried about us 
not trying to beat them. I'm worried about us trying to do it the quote unquote Panthers way and it being an unmitigated <laughs> disaster. Keep pounding Jonathan Stewart for one to two yards every play. Yes. Sounds like a keep pounding way. He averaged six yards a carry last game. Like don't not to, to mention that he averaged With a sixty like, yard run in there. <laughs> not to mention that he averaged like two and a half yards per carry after that sixty yard run. <laughs> Hey, that 60-yard run was a real play and real yards, and it counts. <laughs> it did True. count. Yep. Don't step to Tony Romo now, John. Doesn't, doesn't mean that John Stewart is better than he was two weeks ago. Because <laughs> he, he say, ran through I'm, an eight-yard wide hole for in a straight line for a touchdown. I will say <laughs> the one thing that does worry me about the Packers, well, I should say there's, there's a couple. Um, Nick Perry, Clay Matthews, Mike Daniels. Those three scare me, especially since Trey Turner may or may not play with the, while he's in the concussion protocol. He's probably not going to play. That's a, that's a problem, guys. That that's a problem because I did see that we did this the wise move, and uh, I saw the thing. It's like Darrell Williams is getting his timing down with both Tyler Larson and Amini Silatolu at guard next to him. So like, oh, See, we're using the right player there. At least. Here's what worries me: is that they'll play Amini Silatolu there. That's oh, you know they will. Me. Yeah, because. Not all Sean Jeffrey is clearly the best second guard they have. Not Taylor Moten or Tyler Larson, you know. So that's gonna be great. It's gonna be wonderful. Just a, I, I know we've been kind of dragging on the ending of the show, but just a, a warning: if Amini Silatolu does play, Brian, um, you're gonna see a lot of a Panthers offensive linemen falling around, and maybe your players tripping over him and things of that nature. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't worry too much. We're we're experts at allowing quarterbacks to escape and getting really close to a sack, but then letting it turn into a 25-yard first down. So don't worry too good, much. Good thing you're not playing a quarterback that's elusive or anything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'd expect to see eight players in the box for most of this game. That's probably not a bad way to go. Against against uh, the Panthers, they, honestly. Otherwise, Cam Newton's seriously going to run for 250 yards. Well, we'd love that. I wouldn't mind that. Yeah. Like, think back to, if you remember these, oh, those two Colin years Kaepernick. in a row where I the Packers played Colin Kaepernick. And he just <laughs> lit us up because the Capers didn't have a clue on how to stop him. I just got so much more excited for this game. <laughs> kind of. I got a little less excited when I remembered that that Shula was going to be the one responsible for calling the plays. Oh man! Well, hopefully it turns out to be a uh, entertaining game. Hopefully, it doesn't have major impact playoff implications on both teams. But obviously, we want a Panthers win because we're fighting for the playoffs. But the Packers are also fighting for the playoffs. So. Supposedly, we might see a playoff atmosphere, so it should be a good time. But, Brian, any last thoughts for us? Or No, man, guys, just thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, feel free to plug, it, plug yourself real quick. Go ahead and tell us about your podcast, right. anything you guys are working on. Um, yeah, so I, I'm on the Pack to the Future podcast. We have a full website with a whole bunch of previews and stuff like that coming up anytime now. Um, pack to the future.com we'll also have post game stuff so plenty of content that your listeners should be fairly interested in right now um, and as far as me you can find me on twitter at pttf 
F underscore Brian. That's easy enough. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Brian, for coming on to talk to us about the Packers Panthers game. Always good talking Absolutely. to you. Um, Brad, John, as always, a pleasure. Sometimes a pleasure to have you guys on here with me. So from all of us here at the CSR podcast, thanks for joining and we'll see you on Sunday and we'll talk to you next week. See you. Well, I've been-